Welcome to the Audit Room, the number one podcast where you can share your audit experiences, ask questions, and get expert coaching and feedback. Episodes are recorded live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Time. That's 11 a.m. Chicago Time, 12 noon New York, and 6 p.m. Berlin. So be sure to check the show notes to join our next meeting and get all your auditing questions answered. Now, here are our hosts, Trent Russell and Tracy Marquardt. This podcast is brought to you by Green Skies Analytics, the services firm that helps auditors leapfrog up the analytics maturity model. Their approach for launching audit analytics programs with a series of proven quick win analytics will guarantee the results worthy of the analytics hype. Whether your audit team needs a data strategy, methodology, governance, literacy, or anything else related to audit and analytics, visit greenskiesanalytics.com. This podcast is also brought to you by Quality Assurance Communication. If you're an internal auditor who wants to take your own or your team's communication skills and audit results to the next level, who wants to create more for yourself, your team, and your organization, no matter where you work around the globe, then check out Quality Assurance Communication at qacommunication.com. Hello, everyone. This is The Audit Room. Uh, You can join us live by connecting with Tracy Marquardt or myself, uh, Trent Russell, on LinkedIn, where we share the link um, basically Friday through Tuesday. We share the Zoom link so you can join in, ask your questions in the chat of uh, myself or Tracy, or more likely (laughs) our guests for that week. Uh, We are live every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Central Standard Time. That's 11 a.m. Excuse me, Chicago time. Uh, I am your co-host and moderator, Trent Russell. I'm the founder of Green Skies Analytics, where we help launch internal audit analytics programs and data teams. Usually, I would say, as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Tracy Marquardt, but for the time being, she is having technical difficulties, and so maybe not as always, but for this week, (laughs) for now... Uh, I'm joined by our guest, Claire Warledge. Claire, you want to drop uh, 30 seconds about who you are and why uh, you're great and wonderful? Yes, thank you, Trent. That's kind of you. Um, so uh, I see we have some people on here that are also on our summit, and uh, that's that's really exciting. So it's great to talk to you guys. And um, uh, yeah, why am I great and wonderful? I don't know. But uh, what I can say is that I'm... Uh, Maybe let's just say mega geek in uh, data analytics like yourself, Trent, um, doing data analytics for the last 22 years now, starting to get wrinkles doing it. Right. Um, for the first 10 years, really heavily, well, I'd say 15 years, actually, really heavily into ACL because I spent 10 years at Deloitte doing ACL when I was the um, data quality integrity uh, uh, manager there uh, in London and then in Paris. And... Um, just basically doing all data analytics for external audit so that we, you know, recalculating things, rechecking things, doing all the general entries, doing uh, revenue assurance and things like that. And then uh, in 2010, decided that 10 years was maybe enough <laughs> to light. And then I created Ophelia. So Ophelia has been around since 2010. Uh, we're still working today with the same clients that we started with for all those years ago for some of them. And uh, and we've been learning so much along the way. And in the last few years, we've been specializing ourselves, particularly around the area of SAP. And uh, that's what brought us to uh, write this amazing book over here, <laughs> which is a, a guide to auditing with SAP. So uh, now today we are very specialized in SAP 
data analytics and just helping internet auditors to get their hands around, you know, all the tables, the fields, the different rules, um, stuff, quirky stuff about SAP. And uh, moving along from ACL, we are we're still doing a lot of ACL, but uh, we're also doing a lot of click and a lot of Power BI as well. Um, so moving into that whole area of data visualization for the last five to six years, uh, which has been quite a transformation for us actually. Um, and then so learning about how graphs can speak to your, speak to your, uh, to the people that you're trying to communicate with, um, <laughs> a lot more effectively than just the Excel spreadsheets out of ACL. So, so that has been a big learning curve and a, and a new mindset and also quite a breakthrough to be able to use data visualizations. And um, I think a lot of people are quite excited about that. And now we are starting to get into machine learning very slowly over here in Vietnam. We're, we are starting to have a couple of projects with um, machine learning, learning Python and stuff. It's, I think it's the next thing that's kind of on the horizon. So. Awesome. Yeah, fantastic uh, background. And a couple of things that you hit on, one being the summit, and so for those that don't know, it's still, it's, it started yesterday. Uh, if you're listening to the recording, I believe we'll put a link in there, but you'll be able to, I think you can go back and listen to them, at least if you purchase it, as, as I understand it. Um, yeah. but for those that are listening, uh, live with us today. So it started yesterday on Monday, today's Tuesday, because we're always live at Tuesday at 11 AM central standard time. That's 11 AM Chicago time. And then on Wednesday, uh, it continues. So could you, for those that don't know, high level what is this summit that you've put together okay so it's been a really uh, exciting journey doing the summit so basically what we did is we researched uh, all of the people out there that are really into data analytics for audit and helping auditors in different ways around the topic of data analytics and then we invited all those people to um to speak to us for 30 minutes and basically um we, I'd say like uh, two thirds of those people are kind of experts like myself, like really expert in a tool or expert in an area of data analytics for audit. And then the other third are auditors themselves who are also experts and actually doing data analytics projects or uh, internal audit transformation within their organization. So um, I think we had about eight auditors from very big organizations that uh, spoke to us about their experience within their organization. So. For that summit, we, um, everybody that we interviewed, we asked them all the same question and we asked everybody, um, if tomorrow you were head of internal audit for a new, uh, audit team in a big group and they have absolutely no clue whatsoever about data analytics, how would you help them to become leaders in data audit? And, uh, yeah, and it was very interesting because everyone's obviously got a different focus. Uh, but we did a summary of all of the results of that, uh, of all those different interviews in order to classify and find out which topics came up the most and, and what most people thought was the most important. And what, what, what were those? So you have data around the data analytics, uh, questions that you're asking, what were some of the, uh, the common themes and, or is there like, is there any. Was there anything that stuck out to you that made you go, oh yeah, that, that's a good point. I haven't thought about it like that because you do have, what is it? 30 people. Uh, some folks are thought leaders that we've had, uh, here like Hal Guerin, Norman Marks, who aren't necessarily executing in data analytics, but they're, 
wealth of, of knowledge, all things audit to get their perspective on it and what they would do is something that, that I found very interesting. Um, and so what were some of the, the key takeaways that you found from what doing what 30 interviews? 36, I think we did in the end. 36. <laughs> yeah. Uh, it was really interesting. So I feel, I feel like I learned a lot because I've been doing data analytics for 22 years, but I'm really, uh, kind of the geek, you know, and, um, I think what's really important is getting the big picture. So we, when we looked at all of the, all the videos again, and went through all of our notes from all the interviews, what we found was that, um, out of all of the interviews, the most common topic, like with the most popular topic from everybody who's speaking is trying to advise our heads of internal audit, our people in internal audit about data analytics. Um, the most popular topic, and it was 28 people out of the 36 that thought that training was really key. Um, maybe not the most important thing, but it's a common, uh, key element we can say across all of the interviews is that training is really important and especially training in the use of the data analytics, not necessarily, um, being trained in the actual technical details about data analytics, but at least being trained in how to actually read a dashboard. Um, you know, what do the graphs mean? Being aware of what's possible, uh, in terms of data analytics and, and kind of like just knowing what to do with, um, with the dashboard or with, with some data analytics, if they're provided during the internal audit, uh, phase. So, so training is, uh, really key. And most of the people who mentioned training said that training should not really be a one-off effort. Um, because when it's a one-off effort, I think Nicole talked quite a lot about that. Uh, Nicole Osinek, Nicole Osinek, she talked quite a lot about the fact that, you know, often we are spent on training and then we forget just afterwards. And a few other people talked about that as well as like looking back at, at what happened when we, when we were more junior or in the past and we've been on trainings and then straight afterwards, I think it was, um, um, Jason Method mm -hmm. was talking about that also when he, you know, in the past, when before he was a head of internal audit and he was actually doing audit and he went to some ACL, uh, training and, um, and then after the training, then didn't use it for like the next six months. And then it gets really hard to use it again. So when we are not trained, uh, often, like if we just have a training, you know, three, four days, um, and then we don't use it straight away afterwards. So we're not using it for the rest of the time. It's very, very hard to maintain those skills because we just forget like where to click and, and all the different intricacies of, you know, what, where you go in the tool and. How did you write that formula? What was the function name and, and just feeling relaxed and knowing your way around. So there's so many different things in a tool that it can actually be that a lot of stuff to forget actually, um, especially if you're not using it extensively. And, uh, this also is something that Alexander Rail, he was also, um, on the, on the summit and he's also on the summit. You can, you can listen to him. And he's quite an inspiration because he's the CEO founder of Zapliance. And, uh, he was explaining that they actually brought out a process mining tool, which is extremely powerful and extremely useful for auditors. 
And um, and we also use process mining, you know, in Click and Power BI, and, and I think it's extremely powerful. And uh, and so they they brought out the process mining tool. It was really amazing and everything. But in the beginning, it was actually quite hard to communicate the benefit of the tool um, that Sublime's made, and that was because it needed to be um, brought to the market with the training. Because if even if you have the most amazing tool, uh, which process mining is, um, if people don't actually understand it or they don't see the benefit or they don't see the application to their actual work, then um, then they won't adopt it. So training is pretty important and it kind of goes hand to hand with strategic planning because a lot of people talked about strategic planning and how you need to plan out your journey for uh, getting your audit team into data analytics and actually one of the people as I think the last person that we spoke to was Eduardo Pardini in um, Brazil and he's the CEO of Crossover Analytics over there in Brazil and um, it was very interesting listening to him because he talks a lot about mentoring and how when you're head of internal audit it, you really need to mentor your team through the change day by day and and like it's not just um you know go off and do a training and and that will be all good uh for a week or so it's really uh taking the team and hand by hand you know hand in hand and going with them day by day through the whole process of getting into data and uh, from his point of view it's very important for the trainee it's also very important that even the head of internal audit fully understands the process at least and uh, gets its hands dirty also a bit in actually using the dashboards because that's how he's going to mentor, that's how he's going to inspire um, his team and that's how he's going to lead them in the, or she, uh, in the right direction. Um, if he really has a deep, uh, profound understanding of the point of data analytics and how it works and and all these things. So, so Eduardo is was talking quite a lot about the mentoring aspect of things. But what was the most important thing after the training was really the why. So, and and I think that's one thing that um, that really spoke to me quite a lot is that most of our speakers are talking about you know if you want to get your auditors from doing sampling towards using data analytics in a an agile way then it's obviously quite a long journey for them to go on and it's quite difficult because it's quite a lot of things to learn um, and if they're going to go on that journey they really need the why they really need the vision and we really need to have a very strong communication with them and um about what it's all about and and it kind of also goes together with you know what's in it for the auditor so the why is what we consider the why like why do data analytics it's really like understanding what's the point before we start and how that is going to help us so i think the different aspects one of them is like it's going to save you time although saving time was not actually one of the most important things um, only 11 of our speakers mentioned the fact of it saving us time. Uh, uh, most of them talked about the fact that it can help you to see where you have unusual trends in your business process. 
And a lot of people were talking about fraud as well. So red flags and fraud. So being able to discover, you know, if when you're doing your audit and you go and you ask questions like how does the process work? So for example, treasury, we were just doing web class earlier about, about looking at the bank statements. Maybe you go and you're reviewing treasury and you look at the bank reconciliation process and you walk through the bank reconciliation process and you take a couple of months, a couple of banks as a sample, and that's all fine. But if you use data analytics, you can see things that don't fit that normal process. So maybe the auditee will just tell you, you know, there's a normal process where you have the electronic bank statements coming in and then we do the reconciliation and then any adjustments have to be approved, et cetera. And that would be the normal process. Um, but if you then did a full data analytics test, so for example, you take the entire general ledger and you compare it to your electronic bank statements and you find that there are actually other house banks that are not within that list of electronic bank statements, then you start to realize that actually there's more um, there are more bank accounts, more house bank accounts. Um, maybe the auditee didn't tell you about, um, maybe ha they have a different process because maybe they're not interfaced with the electronic bank statements. Maybe those particular banks can only give PDF bank statements. And so it's a, it's a different way of doing the process that we are more likely to see when we're using the data analytics, because we can take the entire. Uh, population of the general ledger and look at all of the bank out in the general ledger, or we can uh, take the entire uh, PDF bank statements and and we can look at all of the transactions in there and see if we know whether or not they're all included. So, and there are lots of different examples of that of where the where the trend does not fit the process, and I think that also comes back to process mining as well, because obviously people will say there'll be the purchase order and then it will be approved according to the delegation of authorities. And then you have your goods receipt and then you have a three-way match control and you have your invoice. And so we expect the process to have a chronological order like that. And if we see thanks to process mining or even thanks to simple graphs, such as, you know, a number of retroactive purchase orders. Um, per supplier or user or something like that, we'll be able to see those users or those suppliers that do not actually follow uh, the normal process. And that's something that's quite difficult to see if you don't use data analytics because there's just too much data to see it otherwise. Yeah. Um, there was a, that was fantastic. And there's, uh, we, I wish we could have done like two hours uh, with you. I've got like four different things I wanted to hit on within okay. that but um i always appreciate the folks that ask questions from the audience so i want to make sure to hit on their questions as well so Chaz is asking relative to yeah. audit do you see most shops outsourcing co-sourcing co-sourcing or keeping the data analytics in-house for those keeping it in-house are they basically maintaining a subject matter expert to sustain the relative knowledge uh okay so this is an interesting one i mean i can't say that i know for everybody because uh, you know, we don't have like hundred thousand different customers to tell you, yeah. but, uh, based on all the customers and all the people that I've spoken to over the last, uh, 12 years, um, and the people in the interviews and stuff like that, I I'd say it's kind of a mix. Like there are obviously a lot of companies out there that were in the internal audit team, they have data experts and those data experts are kind of managing the data analysis projects. 
and and trying to communicate the results to the auditors now that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't um had one customer as a very long time ago so i think it's okay if i mention it it's um coca-cola hellenique in greece and we went to do an acl training for them about eight years ago um and it's kind of the best customer i ever had because we never heard from them after that hardly <laughs> because the guy that they had hired was super smart and he picked up on all the training and he managed to to really learn and do all of the work and then he managed to cl clearly communicate that also uh to the auditors and so the auditors were actually using his work which is always a challenge so um but i think also for him what was what was uh, a big help was that the head of internal audit at that time has mapped out all the data analytics that could be done for their risk control test matrix without a risk control test matrix because they're quite a, a junior audit team taking people straight out of school and so they've got the risk control test matrix and they basically mapped all of the data analytics into that matrix and that mapping was done by the head of internal audit himself um, and then there was one dedicated person so i think you know i think co-sourcing is happening a lot because that's what we see when we when we're helping customers is that co-sourcing is like where you've got a few experts in-house and then a few people outside to kind of help things along, you know, because sometimes some of the programming can be maybe too technical or it might be, you know, that um, the people in-house, like they have good understanding of data or finance, but not all about everything to do with SCP, you know. Um, so, so sometimes that mix of some like really geeky experts and then some people inside. But I think the most critical part and you really need someone inside uh inside the company for that if you're having any like uh co-sourcing like um it's the communication of what you're doing to the rest of the team and really making sure that it's embedded into into the uh audit plan or like into the audit mm -hmm. because otherwise we can do a whole load of data analytics um you know we can help companies as much as you know we possibly can and the the, the geeky person inside the customer company um who's also doing all the data analytics and everything, he could be doing really amazing stuff. But then sometimes what happens is the rest of the audit team don't actually use it. Um, and th this can happen sometimes. So it's quite tricky. Uh, I think on the summit, some people came up with really good ideas and quite a few people said this, is that we really need to mix those teams together on the field work. There's a few different things actually. Is one of them is embedding the data analytics into the audit risk control test framework. And another thing is um, using the data analytics for planning upfront before the field work so that we're actually thinking about, you know, what risk could be happening or what things we're seeing in the data that could indicate that there are some risk areas and having a risk-driven data analytics approach and then taking the data analyst along with the team, be it somebody inside or outside, uh, co-sourced or not, but doing that work together on on the field so that um, we can ask the secondary questions. Because one of the things that came up is like, you can have uh, a whole set of data analytics dashboards and that's fine, but actually they just raise more questions because they 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 don't, um, and, and that's always been a, a problem. Sometimes people feel, especially partners at Deloitte, uh, <laughs> 12 years ago, they feel like, um, you should be able to press the button and out comes the result and that's it you right. into your report. Yeah. yeah. But, but actually, yeah. I'm sorry, go ahead. 
Yeah, actually, we, you know, we, you get your results, your initial data analytics results, and then you need to ask more questions. So if you see you've got people that are entering retroactive purchase orders, that's a thing. But then you need to think, well, what type of material is it? Is it an automated purchase order? You know, is it, it could be normal because it, it could just be coming through the automated process. Um, is it always one type of user, one type of supplier? Are they only working together? So it's like so many different questions to either decide, is this normal? Mm-hmm. Um, even though it came out as an exception, or uh, could there be some other kind of fraud situation going on? Yeah. And I think that um, for me, a lot of it boils down to data literacy. Uh, that's probably the biggest the biggest problem that I've seen in working with uh, different organizations and and even the ones that have like full on dedicated data teams within their internal audit function. When I talk to them, it's similar to what you said. It's like, hey, we build this stuff, they don't use it, or they don't come to us with their like ideas. And so, if you boil that down, it's a data literacy issue. Um, and that's something that that we've been proactively working on fixing, and I think we have it. Um, and so pretty excited about that, but to Chaz's point or question about outsourcing, co-sourcing, keeping it in-house, um, because there's so much, like, I think a lot of people, when they think about analytics, think, okay, we get the tool, we execute the tool, we're doing analytics. But then you have to think about, there's so many other areas, like the strategy in and of itself or analytics, uh, obviously it should align with the audit strategy, which should, for the most part, align to the corporate strategy. Um, but I think. Well, I know that gets missed a lot of times. So there's things like strategy. And then within that, you have the people part of that. Um, uh, do we need it? We have analysts. Do we need an engineer or uh, some kind of database manager? We'll largely call them a data engineer. Um, do we need dashboard development people? Process-wise, where does this fit within the methodology of audit? Tools-wise, what tools uh, do we need for each person, depending on their level of data literacy? There's data governance to take into consideration, their ex- execution of the analytics taken into consideration, KPIs, um, communicating the results. Communication's huge. I wish Tracy was here with us right now to hit on that more, but how to communicate those results um, to the board, how to communicate them amongst the team. Um, so like I said, I think a lot of it boils down to data literacy, but um, going at it alone is certainly an option. I mean, people do that and there's success there, the difference I see largely is with teams that go, look, we've been doing it on our own. We want to shorten the learning curve though. Like we've been trying, there's some success, but we need more of a strategy, more of a plan. And that's where I think having, uh, at least on a, like a coast, I think a co-sourcing makes the most sense. I don't think I'd hundred percent outsource. I don't think that makes a lot of sense in most, um, in most cases, maybe within a given part of that, within governance, within literacy, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Socks or something. You might yeah, sure. Or even that piece. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the piece you hit on about there's additional questions that come from the analysis. That's where also I think data literacy can help and some execution within just Excel. So I, and I hidden on this because I used to hate dashboards. Like somebody would send me a dashboard and I would go, okay, that's great. But I've got this question, this question, this question, this question. I would be in Tableau, I would right click, view data, detail, download, and then I would do my own analysis. Like basically the dashboard was a repository for me and that was it Um, until I learned the value of telling a story with data. And so my opinion on that has changed a little bit, but um, that's where I think it's also critical to get other folks 
some level of execution, not a ton, but if, if we spend whatever, 40 hours developing a dashboard, send it off and then they use it. And then audit comes back and goes, Hey, can you show us the, the, um, you know, we're curious about the top 10 of these. It's like, you, you should be able to just do that in Excel. Like, especially if it's not something yeah. you want to see repeatedly, like these one-off things just slows it down. So, um, I think what you said hit on a, uh, a lot of those. I did want to hit on, I did want to get Tracy's question out there and then we can kind of, uh, wrap it up. So Tracy being the communication and audit report writing expert, uh, that we have on here, um, was curious how to communicate and interpret data using dashboard. So if you were, maybe if you were new to dashboard development, how would you, uh, high level tell a story using a given dashboard or communicate okay. more effectively with data using yeah. a dashboard? Well, like you say, uh, data literacy is kind of a big issue for a lot of people still. And, you know, I'd say there's one or two people where every time in the audit department that sort of, uh, easily understands the dashboards and, and what we're doing. Um, but the rest don't seem to, or, or, or seem to run away from it somehow. So, uh, and oftentimes I've had, you know, people say to me that a combo chart where you've got two y-axis maybe you've got on one y-axis you've got the, the value and the other you've got the volume and along along the bottom you might have something else like for example the supply or the date and uh, and people getting really confused about what it means because there are two y-axis and they're just not used to seeing it um and also you know like the scatter plots you know what does it mean if you do scatter plot comparing two values if people are not used to that they don't actually know what that means um, so I think it's, uh, like you say, data literacy is super important. Uh, what we like to do is to keep it as simple as possible. Um, because I feel like, you know, people still getting there in general, most people are, and, uh, and we need to remember that, you know, if people are not used to using dashboards, then it can, it can be a bit of a, a bit of a scary thought to even go near one. So. Yeah. What we try to do is to make it as simple as possible. So, uh, we always have exactly the same layout for all the dashboards. Actually, what we've done is we just made a set of 300 dashboards, um, for SAP, just because we wanted to consolidate all of our knowledge. Um, because in, in the book that we wrote, uh, we talk about 300 dashboards and then we just thought, you know, well, that would be fun to make them all. So let's just make them all. <laughs> so we made them all. Uh, but every single one is very simple because um, it's kind of for training also. It's like, you know, what are the different topics that you could actually do with with data and, uh, and how would you do all of those different things? So we want to be able to train our team really fast. We want to have a model that we can reuse, adapt and, and for different aspects. But on the actual dashboard, we kept them all really simple and in the same format. So we've always got the description and then the risk. And then we're using a methodology that I read about recently, which is called 33300. And I can't remember where I saw it. I saw it in a LinkedIn blog, I think. Somebody posted that somebody came up with it like about six or seven years ago. But the 33300... Kind of like uh, I don't know um, strategy for for showing your data analytics is that it should take three seconds to read the top line to get a high level opinion of whether or not there's an issue and if the issue is important. 
then the the person looking at it will have 30 seconds or should spend about 30 seconds looking at some graphs to get an idea of the trends. And then if they feel like it's necessary, they're going to spend about 300 seconds looking at the detailed line level transactions and, and maybe checking a couple of them. So the 330, 300 seconds principle, uh, we use that. So all of our dashboards, it got a top line of KPIs and it always says this is the total number. This is the number of exceptions and that's the percentage number of exceptions. And then it's like, this is the total value. This is the value of exceptions. And this is the percentage of those exceptions. So then you can immediately see, all right, I've got $1,000 of duplicate payments. So we don't care, right? <laughs> we don't care. It's only $1,000 is nothing as peanuts. Don't find any more. Let's move on to something else. But if we see that we had, you know, a hundred million worth of duplicate payments, then stop. We, you know, that's, that's a huge amount. Uh, it's a big percentage and so we should look more. So then we go down to the next level, which is the 32nd level. And on that level, what we want to see is patterns. So we want to see, is it always the same user? Is it always the same supplier? Maybe it's always the same accounting scheme. Um, you know, maybe it's because they don't enter the external document number. They don't like all the different reasons we need to brainstorm by looking at the, the graphs that give us the trends with different fields, either over time or by another dimension, such as the user accounting scheme, uh, the supplier or the transaction code or something like that gives us clues as to whether or not it's a, it's essential, like a, a, a focus problem or a, a generic problem throughout the entire company. It's normally there will be a peak and, and sometimes you can see something really interesting that like you might see on a line graph, you might see that there's a peak in duplicated invoices, for example, especially if it's for, bid, for customer bidding just before the end of the year. And, uh, and if you see that you start asking other questions, we get to secondary questions. Cause then you'll be like, oh, but where are all my cancellations of all those, uh, duplicated invoices. Yeah. Um, so, so, and then if you find something you think is really interesting, then we want to go down to detail and then we should be able to filter those graphs very easily and then just export the detail table. And then we get back into Excel, which I think is fine. Going back to Excel at that point, because actually, so when we're in the 300, what's really important as you get down to the detail part in the 300 second part is that always putting the detail table in a particular order. Um, and I, I get crazy with my team about this. Of course, we've got a mandatory field order list, <laughs> but it is because the auditors are very impatient and uh, if they can't get what they want immediately, they tend to walk away. So to make it very simple. It has to be easy for somebody to immediately see what was that document number and how can I look it up in SCP. Yeah. They need that information. They need to know who the third party was and they need to know the value of the transaction it has to be the first thing. And then the rest of the fields, it has to be relevant to, to the actual, uh, dashboard that you're looking at, you know, like if you're looking at duplicate payments, you have to present the detailed table with all the elements that you did the duplicates test on so that someone can look at it. And without even thinking, it's going to be like, oh yeah, it's a duplicate because I can see the same external document number, the same day, same amount. I can see it on the screen in the detail and, and the detail, I think what's really important with the dashboard is that the detail has to be there at the bottom because we have to prove that we, that these things are true, right? It's not enough just to say, here's a KPI and here's a buy chart and you have a big problem. <laughs> you have to, the auditor has to actually check it. I think that's really important. We can't just copy paste, put it in our report. We have to check it. We have to ask questions. We have to get supporting documentation. 
or see that there isn't any, you know, we have to go that extra step. And so the detail table is super important for enabling anyone to do that. So in terms of the question from Tracy, the communication, that the, the way that we've adopted it is to be very simple and to be very consistent because, you know, always putting things in the same place, always using the same colors, um, using the same sizes of things like that so that people can easily find where they are and they don't have to to think too hard. Once they've got the hang of it, it should be quite simple for them to to pick up and quickly look at other things. Yeah, I like the uh, simple for sure. That's always a message I preach. And consistency, I don't preach as much, but that, that you've kind of hammered that home for sure so that um, I like to say, so our, we don't use our like brain energy and in trying to interpret what's going on. If it's simple, if it's consistent, color scheme included, then you can pull it up and that, you know, that 30 seconds maybe takes five seconds for you because you, you're used to what's going on, um, which might sound silly, like I really saved 25 seconds, but it's more about uh, the brain power that literal calories burned <laughs> to be able to yeah. interpret that, which can be painful, especially if you're looking at 300 and having to go, okay, number one of 300. Uh, okay, <laughs> number two of 300. So I get that. And then the other point I just want to make real quick on dashboards is, I know like I would see a dashboard or a visualization on, uh, I don't really watch the news, but like on the internet, we'll just say, uh, that was produced by some news outlet. And I was like, I don't, I have no idea what this thing is saying. And like, I felt like the idiot for not knowing like, okay, I must be dumb. Cause I don't know what this thing's trying to say. And it wasn't until I really started to understand it where I went, you know what, if I don't understand it, it's your fault. The person that developed it, it's your fault that I don't understand it. And so especially if, as you start to work with dashboards more, if there's something you don't understand, go back to the developer and say, this doesn't make sense to me. You need to make it easier. Um, if you're in audit, you're intelligent enough to be able to look at a graph and understand what it says. So uh, that's always a point that I, that I try to hit. But um, all right, we, are, uh, we did run a little bit over, but totally worth it in my opinion, especially. Um, I know I had some good takeaways there. Uh, we will, for those that are going to be listening to the podcast version of this, we'll be sure to put the, I'm going to try to find that three, three, three thirty, three hundred article. We'll link to that. Uh, we'll link to Claire's book that, um, if you're on SAP, highly, highly recommend that, uh, as well as a link to the summit that is again, today is day two of three of that. If you're listening live, uh, I think you can check it out for free within the 24 hour period. And then after that, there is, uh, there's a fee. So, um, uh, quickly again, this is the audit room. We're live every Tuesday at 11 AM central standard time. That's 11 AM Chicago time. I'm your co-host, uh, Trent Russell flying solo today due to technical issues with Tracy, uh, on Tracy's end. Claire, thanks a ton. I know that you are, um, it's, it's early or late depending on uh, how you phrase it, where you are right now. So I appreciate you coming on right now. Uh, and I will, uh, I'll throw it to you to close us out. Okay. Thank you so much, Trent. Really appreciate it. Yeah, it is 11.40 PM here, but uh, we're still super excited to talk about data analytics um, because there's always so much to learn and uh, the challenge just, uh, just gets bigger every day with all the new technologies and, and everything we have to do. So it's an exciting, uh, it's an exciting area of work and I'm just happy to share that with you guys on this podcast. So thank you very much for having me.